Thank you, praise team, very much. Um, as we were singing that song, uh, my mind goes back to uh, the Moncton hockey camp, listening to uh, 60 young men, 60 young, well, boys and girls, uh, sorry, uh, singing that out uh, at Crandall University where we had, and it was neat just to, uh, to hear them just pour that out in, uh, in such a meaningful way for these young people. Um, and uh, I just, you know, the purpose of those camps is that they, that they are introduced to a good, good father because uh, that's what we all need. All right, technology is working today. Great. Um, yeah, why do we value gold? One other thing I'm going to do while you think about that. Have you ever thought about why you value gold? Or why we as a society value gold. I know I never really thought about it before I started preparing for this message, but I asked myself, like, why? Why is that one of the most uh, valuable commodities that we have? Lots of stuff out there, but gold seems to be one of the most widely used and, uh, and, and very um, you know, valuable to us. Well, Diving into science would probably make the most sense to explain an element, right? Now, I'm no uh, expert in the periodic table, all right? But very quickly, very simply, because that's the way I like it, if you're going to explain it scientifically, how, you know, however many years ago gold kind of, you know, sifted its way to the top of being valuable, um, I mean, you look at the different elements out there. Well, a bunch of gases. That's not very good to use as a trading commodity. Um, some are liquids. Not very good, right? Uh, I don't think the, 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 the pirate's treasure chests were very you know, waterproof to fill it full of any, any liquids. Um, a number of the elements are, are very reactive. So um, if you combine two, all of a sudden you're getting a chemical reactive reaction, that's no good. They're out quickly. Some are radioactive. Um, you know, the last thing you need to do is have something, uh, you know, glowing on your finger or even to the point that you're glowing, right? So that eliminates some of those uh, very, very easily. And so quickly, um, I mean, arguably, you could dial down the periodic table to about five, uh, five elements that have uh, some worth uh, and that are easy to use as value, valuable commodities. So iron, copper, platinum, silver, and gold. Those would be kind of, uh, if you think about it, five very common, common things that we have. So iron, uh, kind of the problem with iron is after a little bit, it can easily rust and, uh, and you know, it can rust away on you. Copper, anybody worn a copper ring? Yeah, your finger turns green. That's not very pleasant, is it? So copper corrodes kind of easily. Um, platinum, you know, platinum's you know, pretty expensive, pretty kind of cool, but it's really hard, and so it makes it very difficult uh, to use and um, work with that way. Silver, now silver's pretty common, 
Um, but uh, it, uh, it also, uh, it, it tarnishes. You know, I mean, who's got a, a silver tea set at home that just sits there and it's no longer silver, it's brown unless you're going at it probably, you know, every month cleaning it up, right? And so gold, right? Gold raises to the top for a number of reasons. It's very unique in A, its color. It's very stable. It's easily portable. It's non-toxic. And <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, it's shiny. And ultimately, it's golden, right? Like, you know, gold is golden. It's, it's the only real element that's unique uh, like that, right? But there's also fool's gold, right? Uh, there's actually a, a pyrite uh, element that kind of looks very much similar to gold, but it isn't. The, the properties are totally different. And, uh, you know, if you, I think if you grew up watching Gilgan's Island, I think there was an episode where there was, you know, fool's gold. And anyhow, uh, we'll move on. There's no real value to the imitation. There is real gold, and, uh, but lots of people have tried to come up with uh, fake gold, right? To get something uh, more for something that's not real. So, we read this morning, Matthew 7, 12. Jesus said these words, So in everything, do to others what you would have done, what you would have them do to you. The golden rule, right? I think it's a little less promoted. I mean, the teens could tell me, I think the golden rule is a little less promoted nowadays, but you're probably a little familiar with it. Um, you know, if you're, you're 30 plus here, I think you heard the golden rule uh, spoken to you a lot in your growing up years. It was very popular. And I tried to kind of research, you know, when Jesus' words were titled the golden rule and all kinds of varying reports, you know, whether it was, you know, a couple hundred years ago or several hundred years ago and who did it. I didn't come up with a clear uh, answer on that. But for quite a while, for whatever reason, these words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount are picked out and given to us and, and entitled the golden rule. And it's, you know, it, it, I mean, Christian people know it, but lots of non-Christian people know uh, the golden rule. If you mention, oh, you know, um, the golden rule, like, oh yeah, that's just what we read. So let's 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 stop. Let's do a little uh, backtracking here, and and look at the book of Matthew. Matthew recorded the golden rule for us. So let's kind of backtrack and let's work up here. I want to assume uh, too much here. So let's lay some some groundwork here. So Matthew, Matthew is one of the 12 disciples, and he took on the challenge of recording a big chunk of Jesus' life so that people would have that, right? So let's start right in, cha- let's start right in chapter 1, and let's, uh, let's run through it quickly here, all right? So Matthew, chapter 1, all right? Matthew says, here's the genealogy of Jesus, and then he gives us a brief little account of Jesus' birth. Chapter 2, he moves on and he gives us a couple snapshots of Jesus' childhood, all right? He's kind of setting a quick stage of Jesus' early life. And then, boom, uh, he kind of changes and he introduces us to John the Baptist in chapter 3 and, uh, and, and gives us an account of John the Baptist, 
Baptist baptizing Jesus. Chapter 4, we get a couple little stories from how Jesus starts his ministry. And then he launches into recording for three chapters worth the Sermon on the Mount. And um, it's called the Sermon on the Mount because as you read in the first couple verses of chapter 5, the crowds gathered around Jesus so much that he decided to climb up the hill, the mount that was, that was nearby him, and speak uh, down to the large crowd, which, you know, uh, would have worked very, very well with the acoustics and stuff like that. And there's different theories as far as which mount it was. Um, there's actually a church of the mount in Israel where some people really think, but there's no strong evidence which mount it was, and that's why we only have Sermon on the Mount and not one of the, the specific names with it. So let's look at the Sermon on the Mount here, because the golden rule is part of it. So let's kind of look at how Jesus was leading up to when he gave us the golden rule. So chapter 5, we first read how to be blessed. And that may not seem so relevant to us, but that was very relevant back then. It was all about blessings. Read through the Old Testament. Read about how it was so important for fathers to give a blessing to a child um, and, and so on. So feeling blessed was very, very important, and there's some great words of wisdom in there. Jesus went on and instructed the people how to be different from the rest of the world, which was important for the Jewish nation. They weren't supposed to live like the surrounding nations. They were supposed to be there. And, and it's still good words for us today. Jesus went on and said that he came to fulfill the law. He gave a reason. He, he's starting to instruct them, and then he's like, I'm here to fulfill the law. And the law was very much a part of their everyday life in the Jewish culture. And then we read a neat little course of instructions from Jesus. And if you haven't read it lately, I encourage you to read, Jesus says, you have heard this, well, I tell you that. And, and several of those, right? You have heard this, I tell you that. Contradicting, all right? Chapter 6, all right? Here we go, and, uh, and Jesus is now telling how to give properly, how to pray properly, how to fast properly, how to build up treasures properly, and then he says, don't worry. God's in control. You don't need to worry. Chapter 7. We're getting there. Jesus starts off chapter 7 by saying, don't judge others. Verses 7 through 11, he says, ask, seek, knock. And then chapter 12, or verse 12, sorry. We get, so... So it depends what version you read. You might get so, you might get therefore, maybe consequently, all right? But Jesus has been speaking. We're not sure how long it took him to, to say all this. And maybe, you know, he feels people are wandering a bit, but he's also getting towards the end of his sermon, and he wants to drive home the point. And so he might have raised his voice. He said so, or therefore, or consequently. And I remember hearing years ago and heard a couple of times that uh, when you read therefore in the Bible, you need to stop and see what is the therefore, right? So what, it, what is this here for? 
Jesus then goes on to say, in everything. Now let's just stop with In everything. Therefore, in every, not a few things, not when it feels right, not when it's convenient, not when it works in your schedule, not when, oh, hey, I remember. Everything. It's, it, it's a big challenge. It's supposed to encompass your whole life. In everything. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Do. It's an action word. We're supposed to be doing this. All right? And to who? To yourself. Not to yourself. You're supposed to be thinking about, you're supposed to be looking to do things to others. And what to do to others? Well, do what you would have them do to you. It's a good motivation. Right? So if I'm going to do something to somebody, is that what I would want somebody to do back to me? When's the last time you actually stopped and thought about that question before you did something to somebody? It's a tough challenge. And so tough that I'm sure the people then, and maybe you are now, going, well, why? Like, like that, that, that's too tough. But why is Jesus asking us to do this? Well, he knows, so Jesus stops and says, for, right? Or here's the reason why I'm telling you to do good to everybody all the time. It's because this sums up the law and the prophets. God gave us the law. God gave us the prophets who, who gave messages. And if you want to make things easy, Right? Because there was a big burden back then of knowing that the Pharisees were watching, the Sadducees were watching, the Herodians were watching to make sure people were doing what they were supposed to be doing according to the law. And Jesus said, here, let me make it simpler for you. Let me sum it all up. Instead of having all 600 and some odd laws memorized, try to make sure... Here's a great simple principle for you to follow. And that sums up everything if you choose to follow that. Well, we're going to kind of get to that. Okay? Just, just kind of... Just, Work with me here, okay, and see how we, how we go along, because what I, what I continue to do here might address that question for you, okay? If not, we'll have a great chat afterwards. Sound good? Okay. <laughs> so, there's, goal, there's the golden rule. So, I ask myself, well, there must be other rules out there, right? I mean, um, and so if there's other rules to live by, by besides the golden rule, um, what are they called? And so my research turned up, and, and I'm not saying that this is exclusive, but in the research, there's people out there that have put names to some other rules to live by out there. The iron rule, the silver rule, and the platinum rule. So the iron rule is might is right, or survival of the fittest, right? You know, that sound familiar, Darwin's words, right? But the problem with that is, all right, is 
if I can beat somebody up and take what they have, well, that's right. It's about me. It's focused on me, right? Or if I can outsmart somebody and, and do whatever. It's, it, it, it's me focused. The silver rule. <clears throat> now, the silver rule is kind of addressed in, in a number of uh, other uh, world religions out there. Uh, it's worded like this by, uh, by Confucius, and, and I'll just read it for you. So follow along here. Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. Did you catch that? No, let me say it again. Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. Sounds a little familiar, right? What about in Hinduism? How is it stated there? The, the silver rule. This is what sums up duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. I'll read that again. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. That's the guiding duty that you learn about in Hinduism. Now, Buddha... Buddha apparently wrote or said this, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Notice the theme in all three of those? They're all negative focused, right? Don't do something to somebody else. Don't. So, so in essence, if I just sit down somewhere and I don't do anything to anybody, then I'm a good person. By not doing anything at all. I'm not sure inactivity is a good suggestion to live a good life. Just don't do anything and that will make you a good person. Now, the other rule, the platinum rule, it's a more modern uh, rule that's kind of surfaced and um, not sure who exactly first coined it, but it, it, it's, it's out there. You can watch some people speak on it on, on YouTube. It's more of a modern thing. But someone's worded this because they didn't think the golden rule was good enough. So they came up with the platinum rule, which is supposed to be better than gold. The platinum rule reads, do unto others as they would have them do unto them. Yeah, exactly what? Okay. Do unto others as they would have them do unto them. So, I shouldn't do something for you, Mel, unless I know what you want done. So, the golden rule says, do unto others as I would have done unto to, to me. But they're trying to say, that's self-imposing on you. So, just don't, so, so don't do anything for you that I don't know that you want done to you. Got that? It's kind of confusing, right? So, you know, I mean, I don't know, let's, let, let, let's pick something simple that happens every, every day. Tim Horton's drive-thru, all right? You're at the window, you go, oh, I'll buy the coffee for the person behind me. Well, the platinum rule says don't do that because they may not want you to buy the coffee for them. You don't know if they want you to buy the coffee for them, so don't do that. 
I, I, maybe it's just me. That doesn't make sense to me. So why follow the golden rule? As, a, as we kind of went through, I, I don't really see how those other rules uh, really offer a reason why we should follow. But Jesus, Jesus said it right there. And it, if you want to look up how the message words it, the message says, because it adds up God's law and profit. And this, sorry, add up God's law and profits, and this is what you get. So, God's law, His guidance for our lives, the prophets, the messengers that brought God's message, His true message. This is a simple way of adding all that up to live a God-pleasing life. Matthew 5.17, right early in the, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Sorry, I just got to grab my glasses here. I'm blind these days. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law law is, is given by God, and it included Jesus coming and fulfilling that law. Jesus didn't come to just, the law is gone. He came as the fulfillment of the law. So, I got a, 10 verses listed here. The, the, the Bible is consistent in its message. And, and I've picked 10 here, and I'll, I'll read through them quickly, but, but there's, there's, there's a lot more. Um, but here, let's just... Let's just go through how the Bible is very consistent in its message. Leviticus, we can read, love your neighbor as yourself. Deuteronomy, you can read, fully love God. In Matthew 22, Jesus is challenged with, what's the greatest law? And Jesus responds, the greatest law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Turn to the book of Acts, chapter 20. You'll read that it's better to give than receive. How about Romans? Paul writes in Romans 3 that the law makes us aware of sin. That's the usefulness of the law. It points out that we are sinful people. We've broken God's law and we need a Savior. Romans 13, you can read how that loving others fulfills that law. It started with God's love and continues on with our love. Second Timothy, the message in those verses is become a noble vessel. Become something that God can use. Strive to be righteous and usable by God. Book of James, we're instructed in chapter 2, don't play favorites. Treat everybody as if they're worthy and God loves us all the same. 1 John, it teaches us that loving God equals loving others. 
If you love God, then you have to love other people. And Galatians 5, the law equals love your neighbor as yourself. It's a consistent message throughout the Bible. Mission statement. Businesses have them. Churches have them. Charitable organizations all have mission statements. The purpose of a mission statement is to say what you do. To state openly what your core purpose and focus is. Right? Okay. Still awake there? All right. So three here. And I'm going to give you guys a chance to... uh, to choose here. I've written down three mission statements. I'm only going to read one this morning. So the U.S. Department of the Treasury, all right, I picked them because they oversee Fort Knox where all the gold is kept. Chick-fil-A, which is a huge uh, American company, fast food run by a Christian man and one of the biggest popular in Canada, Tim Hortons. Whose mission statement do you want to hear this morning? Treasury? Okay. You want the long version or the short version? Okay. Are you ready for this? All right. So the U.S. Department of Treasury, including Fort Knox, is to maintain a strong economy and create economic and job opportunities by promoting the condition that enables economic growth and stability at home and abroad, strengthen national security by combating threats and protecting the integrity of the financial system and manage the U.S. government's finances and resources effectively. And that's one sentence. That's like me when I used to write run-on sentences. Anyhow, you sum it up. Basically, they say to be good stewards of the U.S. economic and financial systems and to be, on, and to be an influential participant in the world economy. That's their goal. That's their purpose. That's their mission statement. Now, Christian organizations have them too, all right? I, I, I randomly picked In Touch Ministries. I read theirs. A very good one. But what about ours? What about the Auburn Bible Chapel mission statement? What is it? Where do you find it? Yep. Nice and loud. That's why we exist as Auburn Bible Chapel. Thanks, Sonia. If you want to read it again, it's, it's in the bulletin. It's on our website. That's why we exist. But let's get more personal than that. Instead of just us as a large church, how about us as individuals? Have you ever stopped and written down your own personal mission statement? Or have you even, even thought about it, let alone stopping and writing it down? Have you ever thought... What's my own personal mission statement? So why is it worthwhile to do that? Well, it allows you to think through and give, providing clarity in what you plan on doing. It, It gives you a sense of purpose. How many people do you know that seem to be living this life with no sense of purpose? It helps define who you are. It helps define how you live. Have you really thought about that? 
personally. What is your purpose? Day in, day out, coming to church, going to work, playing hockey, playing baseball, whatever. What's your purpose in that? Who are you? If I walked up to you and said, who are you? How could, could, could you define that right now, who you are to me? Defines how you live. So if I'm asking you, I, I guess I should tell you mine, right? And, and I've I'd thought about it before, but I've never, I'd never written it down before. But I would have to say that my personal mission statement is, I help people who God has put into my life. I help people who God has put into my life. That's what I try and keep as my mission statement day in and day out. Are, are there some personal mission statements in the Bible? Well, here's a few. How about Joshua? Joshua wrote, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. King Solomon in Ecclesiastes wrote, Fear God and keep His commands. In the book of Micah, chapter 6, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with my God. I took Paul's words from 2 Corinthians because this is kind of Paul's mission statement to boast only in my weakness and my weakness equals my strength. Or maybe, maybe you'd like the really short, simple one that you can find in Titus. Titus chapter 3. Do good. Do what is good. Plain and simple. Do what is good. Michael W. Smith, 1988, released a song called Secret Ambition. Anybody under 30, I don't expect you to know this song. But here's the chorus from that song. <laughs> you asked that last time I was up here. <laughs> no, we're just, I'm just going to read you the chorus. And I think in a way, he captured Jesus' personal mission statement in this chorus, in this song. So let me read it for you. Nobody knew his secret ambition. Nobody knew his claim to fame. He broke the old rules steeped in tradition. He tore the holy veil away. Questioning those in power, full position, running to those who called his name, nobody knew his secret ambition was to give his life away. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did he get up every day that he was here? To serve others to do good, he did unto other people what he hoped that they would do unto him. And he lived every day knowing that he was going to give his life away, that he was going to sacrifice himself for others. And it, and it wasn't easy for Jesus and it's not easy for us.
Let me just close uh, with a poem. And it's attributed to Mother Teresa. I don't know if these are actually her words. There's varying versions of it, this, that, and the other thing. But I'd never read it before. Esther... Esther brought this home, I don't know how many years ago, and gave it to me. <coughs> Sorry. Um, it, it hung on the wall in my, in my office for, for many years, and, and a lot of people read it, and a lot of people commented on it. I'm not sure, uh, that's kind of small print there, but I'll read it to you in case you can't read it up there on the screen. And so these are my kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this poem as an encouraging, because it's not easy to follow the golden rule. But here's some encouraging words in this poem as to why. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyways. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could come destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It is never between you and them anyway. Praise team.